Today is Unit 6, Chapter 1, which is the endocrine system. Seriously, guys, though, the timing was perfect. I mean, this month, obviously, everybody always does classes about the endocrine system because everybody talks about, you know, February being the month of love and all this kind of stuff. And so that just ends up being a month that you talk about hormones because nothing on our body works without the hormones working. So then, of course what's the driver there is the endocrine system. So it ends up being a month all about the endocrine system and how to support it and help your endocrine system be healthy. And lo and behold, (laughs) that's the very chapter we're starting this month out with. We just plan this that good, I guess. So endocrine system and emotions is February. I honestly can't think of a better chapter (laughs) or better unit for uh, this month. So there's uh, the endocrine system is uh, the system that includes hormones, glands, which includes your adrenal, pituitary, pancreas, and thyroid gland, to name a few. And it is our master manipulator of the body. So it actually works with our brain and our nervous system to help us, uh, to help with faster processes during certain situations. So that includes our fight or flight response, which is uh, like the, as she describes here, the shot of adrenaline that um, activates certain activities in our body and deactivates others to help us run as fast as we can and things like that. And then our hypothalamus is in the brain. That's a gland. That's a part of our endocrine system. And that helps to link our systems together. So the nervous system Besides the nervous system, the endocrine system also works with the reproductive system, our kidneys, digestive system, liver, pancreas, and fat cells. Basically, it it's involved in all the things. It's it's the Renaissance system of the body. It's 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 got like a hand in everything. It helps to maintain and control our body energy levels, if we even have any. <laughs> bitter laugh, reproduction, growth and development, internal balance of body body systems or homeostasis, you know, keeping our, how's her temperature looking, you know, all of that. Yeah. And responses to our surroundings or stress and injury. So that's going to be interesting to read about in here because we our body has a specific response to stress. You're supposed to more or less live your life, you know, picking cat fight upstairs, you know, picking berries and um, roasting me over the fire, whatever, you know, people did in the old days. And, um, then every once in a while, like a tiger chases you and you run, you know, but our bodies now we live in this environment where everything's urgent. And so we now live with these perpetual levels of stress. It's actually extremely toxic to our body. Yes. Bread and crackers. Bunny crackers. I don't. We do. Yes, in the very back of the cupboard. Okay, can I pause this for one moment? I'm gonna run upstairs and get the crackers down for the kids. (laughs) I got the kids these little gluten-free crackers, like Annie's organic snickerdoodle crackers or something for Christmas, and I thought they were gone, but apparently there is still a box (laughs) up in the cupboard, and the kids. I don't know how they knew they were up there, but they wanted them. All right. So a really interesting thing on the subject of stress that I read one time was that the average, whatever housewife or whatever can spend eight hours a day doing 
just household chores. And any one of us who lives in a house knows that even with that, there's more time we could spend. Like our house may be clean, but boy, we could sure gut out that closet. We could, we really could mend a lot of clothes. There is still some laundry to wash. It would be really nice to bleach the whatever. And I want to take down the curtains and wash them. And I haven't dusted for coffee. Like there's always more things, right? So the people who, I wish I could remember what book I read this in, but I think it was some kind of anthropology book but um the person the people who were doing this study then also looked at aboriginal women women in um australia and they said you know if we with washing machines and dishwashers and electric vacuums and stuff if we spend eight hours a day i mean how much time are these women spending just trying to survive the women spent one to two hours a day at the most doing what would be considered household chores and they were like wait a minute like how is this even possible they don't have any like they're like building fires out of sticks you know how is it that and then they have other time of the day that can be spent doing other things you know socializing <laughs> uh, things like that and so they were sort of comparing and contrasting in this study how we basically just keep introducing more work in yes no you're not watching anything. You can read some books. You can look at pictures, draw pictures, and eat the crackers, okay? Uh, we're just introducing more things into our life that's bringing more stress into our life. So the, I always have thought about that and thought, geez, what, what, is there something I can just eliminate from my life? So hormones are chemical messengers. They're created in glands. They travel throughout our body to specific areas with specific jobs. They have special instructions and information that they carry from one set of cells called target cell to other cells. Some of them travel through the bloodstream. Others are released from a gland into the tissue immediately around it. This is um, how the salivary glands, exocrine glands, or salivary glands, which are also the exocrine glands, um, release secretions directly into our mouth. So... <clears throat> Glands are a group of cells. They produce and give off or secrete hormones. And major endocrine glands include your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland. So the hypothalamus is, is located in the lower central part of our brain, but beneath the thalamus and right above the brainstem. And then it actually controls the pituitary gland. So it's kind of a system of governance in your body. You know, there's the boss and then the littler bosses and then the, the drones, <laughs> the hormones just running around doing their thing. And the pituitary gland, which is the master of the endocrine system, it because it produces hormones that control many other glands. So um, <clears throat> it's no bigger than a pea, like a green pea. Um, and it sits beneath your hypothalamus, right at the base of the brain. If you have the book, there's a diagram in there where she shows, and it, otherwise you can always just Google online, where the heck is my pituitary gland? And you can see it. Um, it's kind of like right in the, like if you could go <laughs> centrally through here and centrally through here, where those lines would meet, it's like right in the middle right there. All right, then the anterior lobe, regulates the activity of the thyroid, adrenals, 
those are very popular in the news these days, reproductive glands and produces hormones. This includes the growth hormone and that includes prolactin, which is what we use to activate milk production and, you know, what our body uses in women. Um, thyrotropin, which stimulates thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormones. <laughs> and corticotropin, that stimulates the adrenal gland to produce certain hormones. And then it also secretes endorphins. So these chemicals act on the nervous system and reduce the feeling of pain. Uh, easy example to think of where endorphins you hear about is during childbirth. You know, they say your body's releasing endorphins so that, you know, you can handle the level of pain or, um, tension or whatever it is that you experience. Every birth is different. Some people don't have pain. I didn't really have pain. Um, but it's definitely exhausting. <laughs> and then um, your body does a pretty good job of scrubbing the data <laughs> afterwards so that you'll be convinced to have more children. Um, posterior lobe helps regulate the balance of water in our body. It produce, produces antidiuretic hormone. And then it actually also triggers um, oxytocin production. So that can send you into labor. Oxytocin is called the love hormone. Is that the one that's called the love hormone? Um, oxytocin, because your body also releases it while, like while you're nursing and things like that, um, which does stimulate contractions, which is good because you need that postpartum, those contractions to shrink your uterus back to a little tiny pear size. Um, but it also just kind of gives you this like drunk on love feeling and that's to help encourage you not to, you know, leave your young out in the cold or just abandon them to wild wolves or whatever. It encourages you to keep them and take care of them, even though they're screeching at you all the time. <laughs> all right. The pineal gland that's in the middle of the brain, it secretes melatonin. I remember learning about this one in biopsych. Um, it's so important. It helps to regulate sleep and wake patterns. This is your circadian rhythm. It is stimulated to produce melatonin by nerves from the eyes. So when there's more light exposed to your eyes, more melatonin um, or less melatonin is released. And then when there's le light, less light exposure to your eyes, um, more melatonin is released to encourage you to sleep. And this is why laying in bed and staring into a phone and scrolling, whatever it may be, is actually a really bad idea because the phone light quality, and, and you can do things to help mitigate this, but it's still not entirely the same as not staring into a phone, sadly. But um, the light quality that comes from a phone is, is blue and it flickers, but... Um, that is a type of light that come that we're exposed to typically only at actually the peak of high noon. So not necessarily 12 o'clock in the day, but high noon per the sun. And that light quality is actually only there for like an hour. It's not there for a huge amount of time. There is blue light, I think generally from the sun, but it's mostly red and yellow and orange. 
AKA your typical flaming fireball in the sky. <laughs> and so when you lay in bed and stare at that light, your brain actually tends to think that um, it's time for you to be out and about. <laughs> Jacob and Camille, go upstairs. Take that book bag to the table. Do not eat a single cracker unless you're sitting at the table. Jacob, go. You're not obeying. You're not listening. You will be down here when we're done. I do see people say things on Facebook all the time, which obviously I'm not judging them for it. I'm just thinking like, oh, mechanically, I can see why this is a bad idea. And they'll say, you know, my kids were laying in bed and they're watching movies on their iPad and it's like 12 o'clock at night and they're still not asleep. And I'm just like wondering why anybody's surprised about that at all. Yes, Jacob. All right. So it is important to just try and get, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I, I'm sure it would be great if nobody ran a light bulb after 12 o'clock in the day, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I live in the Pacific Northwest where the sun goes down at like two o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of winter. <laughs> getting better right now but still it's pretty early in the day when you know you're barely finishing lunch and it's dark um so i always feel whenever people in california or something say yeah don't run light bulbs i'm like yeah but do you live up here where that would you're it's dark at like three o'clock <laughs> um but at the very least we could not lay in bed and stare at our phones i i make every possible effort to not have to do that uh, above all, don't want to have to lay in bed and stare at my phone. Um, coming or going, waking or going to sleep, not good either way. But that's why when people say, you know, not to stare into a screen at nighttime or that, you know, watching TV and stuff until you go to bed is a really bad idea is because when it gets dark, more melatonin is released and promotes your sleep. And in the winter nights when, or winter months, when nights are longer, more melatonin is released. You are supposed to be sleeping more in the winter because I'll be honest, it's freezing cold <laughs> and realist. Like we are heating our house with firewood and you got to split a lot of wood and haul a lot of wood and get a lot of wood stored if you want it to not be wet. And it's a lot of work to stoke the fire. So do you really just, it's different than just pushing the furnace button at the other house was. So you think realistically, gosh, if we just got into bed underneath the quilts and went to sleep then we and there's less fuel available in terms of your body also. So if you're one of those people who's saying, I'm going to eat seasonally, well, come January, actually more like come March <laughs> when it's been a while, pickings are pretty slim and you're looking at pine cones with, you know, make it decent to say for not. Um, <clears throat> so there's less fuel out there and it takes fuel to warm your body. That's one reason I learned why chickens don't lay as much in the winter too, is because they're using all their energy to warm themselves at night. And so, um, our chicken queen told us to feed the birds more fatty things at night so that they don't have to burn through all that fuel reserve just to keep warm. But that's us too in the winter. So yeah, our body thinks, obviously you want to sleep more. Y'all don't have enough candles. Y'all don't have enough firewood. Y'all got quilts and blankets and, you know, put all 12 of your kids in the bed and get in there and be warm. <laughs> our hormones don't know that the world has changed. <laughs> you ever see those people in movies or whatever who are like, like mom, you know, um, 
I'm not getting married at 15. It's a different world now. And the mom's just like, what? You know, like our hormones are telling our hormones, it's a different world now. And our hormones like, I don't think so. <laughs> so our thyroid gland, this is in the front part of our lower neck. It's shaped like a bow tie or a butterfly. It produces thyroxine and triadothyronine. Not sure if I said those things right, but it was really fun to try. Elaine says it's good. <laughs> so we'll just go with, all right. She at least knows what I'm talking about. Um, this helps kids and teens bones grow and develop. So, um, and it also controls metabolism. So I am just going to place my money on the bet that the production of this hormone declines over time. <laughs> Sounds like one of those. <laughs> It is one of those things where you read about it and you think, gosh, why can't they just make that in a pill? That sounds great. <laughs> so, but your metabolism would be going like on turbo, but then you'd be getting taller and that, that could get weird. <laughs> I actually do make it in a pill for those of us who have issues Had with surgeries it. And, yeah. Yeah. Cause you are supposed to have it. You are yeah. supposed to. Yeah. 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 That's the thing is it, it's always, um, there's plants that are um, hormone-like, and then there's actual synthetic hormones. And those are actually two different things because our body treats them differently, I've learned. So replacement hormones can um, turn off our body's ability to produ produce certain hormones, like taking melatonin tablets uh, if you're very young can actually turn off your brain's ability to do that because your brain says there's so much melatonin coming in. Obviously, we can just check out, retire. Um, and then your body, you may have sleep trouble for a long time. Um, but also it, it, your body just kind of blindly takes the things and plugs them in and does the things. Whereas when you use a plant that may be considered like a hormone like plant, um, your body takes it and says, this is a, like a cousin of what we're trying to do. And it, your body is, does, can do a better job of saying, I don't think we need this right now. We can throw it away or it can kind of utilize it. That's just, I'm, I'm not enough of a microbiologist, um, to know why that is, or microbiologist, would that be the right field? Um, biophysicist. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, I don't even know the name of the field that would know why that is, but it is interesting that that's how our body works with synthetics versus, um, you know, just plants that kind of do the same behaviors in nature that we can sort of kind of cop into our own benefit? Well, as someone who's had both, I have to say that I feel so much better on the, obviously on the plant side hmm. than I did on the synthetic side. Um, less, you know, you're, I feel like when I was on the synthetics, it was almost mechanical like for my body, but but when I got off of those and was just supporting my body in a natural way with the plant, plant-based stuff, my body felt better. Like I had more energy. I was more like this and I wasn't so much like this, Level. like my body adapted right. easier. Well, that's so interesting because when you take, um, I, I do remember this much from one of my microbiology classes, which is that when you take a, uh, hormone replacement and plug it into your body, your body has receptors that, can fit certain hormones all over your body. But like when you release a certain hormone 
for a purpose in your body. It doesn't necessarily go to every single receptor for that. It kind of goes to where it's needed. Mm -hmm. However, when you take a synthetic one, your body doesn't have any instructions programmed in there saying like, just send this to the uterus. So it actually goes to your body and plugs into all the receptors that fit it, which is why you take a thyroid medication and they say side effects may include all these other things that are triggered by it locking into receptor sites elsewhere in your body. And that's why not everybody also has the same um, side effects, but what, what happens with our own hormones and then plants seem to be similar is that there is a sort of natural intuitiveness that exists out in the world. It doesn't, it's not like it's always perfect. Obviously that's why we have things like genetic hormones, but some, it seems as if our body and plants just being of the sort of same creation, they're able to be intuitive in ways that, um, synthetic hormones aren't, which is also what frustrates some people about using plants. Cause they say, well, I just want to take this one thing and tell me it's going to do that, plug it in, but it, it's going to be different for different people because who knows what is going on in your receptor sites. Like we don't really know unless we get in there on a microscopic level, which nobody's going to do that. So it is definitely fascinating. And Elena, like hearing your comparison of the two different um, experiences, because that is how it sounds. Like you said, it feels more mechanical. Yes. Because it's like a robot, you know, like when you, if you ever, <laughs> this you is kind the, of just described it, what it, is. it goes everywhere and affects everything. Right. I, you just put it in words that I didn't, couldn't even put it in. You're right. That's exactly what it is. I felt like I was getting support in areas I didn't need support in. So right. I was getting like these side effects that I didn't understand, but that mm. makes sense now to me, the way that you put it. I didn't quite understand it that way, but that's right. right. Whereas the plant stuff, I'm really target. Once I figured out what my body needed, I really honed yeah. in and yeah. the areas that needed support. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the side effects of a synthetic are worth it. It just depends on what it is. And you really just have to evaluate that yourself and with, you know, your doctor and for you that are was a time in your life where you didn't know what any of this stuff was. I mean, right. who knows? You could have died. Like it, it no, seriously, for thank you. God for it. I was so sick. I was so yeah. sick and I needed it. So it, I'm I mean, it brought you I to the it. point where you were functional enough that you were like, hey, I can now explore other things. But what I just thought of with these, um, these, uh, synthetics versus, um, natural, we'll say like your endogenous, created hormones or ones from plants, hormone-like things from plants is the difference between talking to an employee or a business owner. And the employee says, the book says you can't do this. And the store owner says, I have an idea. Let's get creative. Let's make this happen. And, and you, everyone's had that frustrating experience. Like, well, can't they see like, this is my, my only option, you know, moms during the crisis that were trying to shop at Costco and they had two kids and Costco says, you can only bring in one kid. And mom's like, I'm a single parent. I have no money. I have one hour a week when I can shop. Like I can't, I can't leave my kids in the car. I can't bring them in, you know, but a store owner, not an employee would be able to say, ah, latching onto this receptor site doesn't make as much sense. Let's get creative and move around. So um, the surrounding and attaching our thyroid, the thyroid is just such a good one to learn because it is one that takes a major hit with 
I mean, everything takes hits. Well, you know, I, I feel like even saying that, like our pineal gland is literally tortured. It's the tortured poet. It's trying to woo us up and put us to sleep. And we're just like shining lights into it and like forcing its eyes open. And so it's tortured soul. But then our thyroid is also tormented by everything, every, everything you're exposed to. And, and as clean of a life as you can possibly live, elim- eliminate every single toxic thing from your home, put copper shields in front of all your electric outlets. Don't sleep on a wooden bed with organic, you know, sheep wool that you raised yourself, whatever. There's still exposures to things. So we have to really do our best to try and protect. Oh, this is a chat. Hold on. Try and protect our hormones. Sabrina said also synthetic hormones have been shown to be cancer causing where plant-based like hormone like things have not. No, that's a great point because again, the synthetic hormone is going to go everywhere and just constantly do what it is thinks it's supposed to be doing. And there is no other message kind of modulating it like your body's supposed to have. Okay. So yeah. So to support a thyroid, we really got to stay as clean as we can. I mean, it's impossible to be completely clean in this, this modern world. Cause are you going to breathe air? I mean, I, I hope so, but you know, um, so surrounding the thyroid and attached to the thyroid, there's four tiny glands. They function together called the parathyroid glands and they release this is going to come as a shock to everyone, but the parathyroid glands release the parathyroid hormone. Oh, it's weird, but there we are. And also a hormone called calcitonin, which is made by the thyroid that regulates, I don't know, calcium in the blood. (laughs) Um, Adrenal glands are considered a major player in our endocrine system. They're vitally important to our health in general. There are two triangular shaped adrenal glands. They sit one on top of each kidney. Elaine, did you say, (laughs) so such a thing to ask, but so if you didn't say this on another call, don't say it. Did you say you had a kidney out or was it something else that you said you had out? (laughs) Okay. I was like, you said you had something taken out. I was like, wait a minute, was it the kidney? I don't think so. Um, But if they take someone's kidney out, do they also take out the adrenal gland that's on top of it? I don't think so. I had my appendix taken out. Appendix taken out. You had your appendix taken out. That's quite a different story. Okay. Totally different. But no, I don't think they take your adrenal out unless you're, unless there's something wrong with your adrenal. Yeah. I don't think they take yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, Sabrina said my grandma had her kidney. Well, there we go. <laughs> Somebody up in here had their kidney. Out. Somebody had a kidney. Out. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, there's two parts of your adrenal, um, each of which produces a set of hormones and has a different function. So adrenal cortex is on the outer part. It produces corticosteroids that regulate sodium and water balance in our body and um, your body's response to stress, metabolism, your immune system, sexual development, and function. The inner part of the adrenal glands, these are all the same names as is in your brain, by the way, cortex and medulla, and all of this is the same, um, is called the adrenal medulla. This produces epinephrine, which is also called adrenaline. And this increases your blood pressure and heart rate when the body experiences stress, which is of course, fantastic when you need to run away from a bear or a robber or something, not very useful when you're just trying to get your kids out into the car and your heart rate is increasing and your, um, stress is going up. Um, reproductive glands. These are a very important part of human growth, development, reproduction, and overall health. And then she actually has a discussion on this in appendix five. So there's more details on that outside of the chapter. 
Um, then male testes secrete the hormones called androgens. And this is the most important, the most important of which is called testosterone, obviously like the most famous hormone out there. Um, and then a female's ovaries produce eggs and secrete the female hormones, estrogen and progesterone. Of course, those we know those can, the levels of those can change all the time based on where our body is in its cycle. Um, and those hormones also play a huge role during pregnancy and all of that, of course. So we actually have a class. I, I'm try- I don't think there is a class uploaded to the podcast about um, estrogen, progesterone, and all of that, but we should probably do one. But if you want to, um, there's a book called Woman Code that I highly recommend where she talks about the infradian rhythm versus the circadian rhythm and how um, you know female hormones obviously fluctuate throughout the month, different levels, um, other than pre puberty. And then like post menopause, they tend to stay level in those areas, um, or in those times, but, um, her book woman code, she, she did some interviews. I can't remember the lady's name, but she did some interviews on podcasts online. So if you listen to things, you can just find those interviews. They're really good and really insightful. And they kind of take off a burden of the guilt that society places on women for not being like a man, (laughs) um, not operating in the same way as, men do and not having the same, um, like we don't have the same work schedule programmed into us as guys do. We just don't. Um, and, and so not feeling guilty that like the average work week doesn't feel like it applies to you because it is built. The average work week is built around the testosterone cycle. It is not built around the estrogen and progesterone cycle. So, um, yeah, 40 hour work week, if you've ever felt like it doesn't work for you, (laughs) There you go. It wasn't made for you. It was never made for to work for you. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not fair. It's not fair because you will be judged based on how you operate in a testosterone cyclical world. <laughs> you will be. <laughs> and there's nothing you could do about that right now. Elaine says, no. Yeah. Secrets of the endocrine system, how our entire financial system is set up around it. Our government is everything set up around, you know, testosterone cycles. And, and that's just, um, because that's, who's been calling the shots for so long. All right. Organs, glands, or both. So endocrine glands are the main hormone producers. There are several organs in our body that also produce and release hormones such as the pancreas, liver, and kidneys. This makes them glands as well. So they get to be both. They are super special. We already know the liver is Sabrina's favorite topic just one of those magical organs. I'm just going to call Sabrina out every time the livers come into the conversation from now on. I went in the garage the other day and there was a huge wrapped package, brown wrapped package of the pork. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's got to be a giant ham. And I pulled it out. It was a liver. The the livers of a pig are huge. (laughs) Holy moly. (laughs) I cannot wait to see, um, the beef liver. I've never been able to get a whole beef liver because even when people butcher cows, they're like, Oh, our, our butcher doesn't give us the liver or whatever. Um, or you go to buy them and they just sell you pieces at the store. And they're like, there's no more pieces of liver. Cause everyone bought it for their dogs. And you're like, what? All right. So the pancreas plays a role in the digestive system. It produces and secretes digestive enzymes, but this is a little hard worker in your body over here. It is also part of our hormone secretion system. 
It produces insulin and glucagon. Uh, Sabrina, did I say that right? Glucagon? Glucagon? Glucagon! (laughs) Glucagon! These work together to maintain a steady level of glucose or sugar in the blood. And they keep our bodies supplied with fuel to produce and maintain stores of energy. As you can see, if this is not, she said, yes, I think so. If it's not working well, that becomes a problem for us, you know, in terms of your energy and your energy consumption, energy production, how you're burning through your fuel. So the pancreas is a compound gland. It is compound in the sense, says Deborah Rayburn, that it is composed of both exocrine and endocrine tissues. The exocrine function of the pancreas involves, that's your digestive um, kind of functions. Um, The exocrine function of the pancreas involves the creation and secretion of pancreatic juices and enzymes for digestion. It digests fat, proteins, and carbohydrates. Um, The pancreas and hormones. All right. So then the endocrine aspect of your compound gland is that um there there's a uh islets of <laughs> longer hans langer hans don't know kind of sounds like a character from a book but the islets of longer linger longer hans these are embedded between the exocrine tissues of the pancreas so it's right in the right right in between um when glucose is too low in our bloodstream, the alpha cells in the islets secrete the glucagon, which signals our liver to convert that stored glu- glucagon into glucose. So interesting how all this stuff happens without us having a freaking clue. All we got to do, I have a wood stove over here. I'm going to show you guys, those of you who are on the camera, there's a wood stove over there in the corner. It's not on right now, but the wood stove just does what it does. I just got to keep sticking the firewood in it. (laughs) Our body just does what it does. We just got to keep sticking the firewood in it. If I stick in hunks of metal, (laughs) it won't burn. It'll just clog it up. If I stick in plastic, it will burn. It will create heat. It will off gas. Lots of toxic garbage. But if I stick in there like there's some really dry rotted alder out here that stuff will burn up and it will burn hot like really hot in no time at all this is literally pure sugar for the fire and then there's some different logs that if i stick in they are long slow burning they create night they create nice heat and you love them because you don't have to stoke the fire as often just every once in a while we're literally just a wood stove <laughs> we can put the right stuff in some of it will off gas toxic stuff will literally just sit in there forever and unless it is manually removed it will never come out of our body or the wood stove and then there's some fuel we can put in that is fantastic it burns really fast but it's kind of junk because now you just have giant piles of ashes and it burned for like an hour whereas then there's other good strong slow burning stuff that's what we really want to be stoking our wood stoves with i mean there is not This is so elementary, but there's not a single cell in our body that is not affected by what we eat. (laughs) That's a tragic truth. (laughs) It's only tragic because we live in a time where it's like hard or harder, more difficult to find and secure the good food. 
Okay. Just below the diaphragm um, to the right of the stomach is our liver, our largest internal organ. I can testify from holding the organs, every organ of a pig the liver is by far probably four times bigger than the heart, which is pretty big. Um, it's huge, maybe even more than four times. I'm not sure. Um, it's also the largest gland in the body. It filters a quarter of our blood's volume every minute. That is unreal. We've been on this Zoom call for, wow, can't even see the time. We've been on this Zoom call for 40 minutes. So it has filtered 100% of your body 10 times, all your blood 10 times. Tell me if I did my math right, but I think you did my math right. Um, Sabrina said glucagon is actually also an emergency vial we have in case um, your son's blood sugar goes down so low he passes out and can't be woken up oh so you can just like it's like we talked about like I can give you this I can send you this message and there are times when you just go straight to the magic Um, it's a powder vial and a liquid in a syringe you have to push the liquid into the powder swirl it and draw it out to inject and in bright red boxes to be kept where you are all the time thank goodness never had to use it Sometimes you need modern medicines. Yes, you do. There are times when you want to force a response from a body, just manually force it. And it doesn't matter. Who cares about the side effects when you passed out from your blood sugar? Who cares? Like that's just get, get the system up and running and we'll deal with things later. Um, Whereas if you're like, Hey, I can just work on maintaining my health. Then let's go straight to the good stuff because why not? Um, heavier than the brain, the liver weighs a whopping three and a half pounds. Oh, I wish I had weighed the pig's livers. Interesting. All right. <sighs> liver and hormones. The liver's connection to hormones is, um, often overlooked. I mean, honestly, I never in my head thought endocrine system liver. I, I never really put those, it never really showed up in my mind as a, um, <laughs> Sabrina said, if you don't use it, they go into a coma. Like, no, exactly. Exactly. That's not what we want happening. Yeah. That, that's a great example of one of those times when you're just like, thank God for modern medicine, because what is now just, I mean, literally considered by most people, a common thing and, and even a passing inconvenience in terms of, you know, if you're maintaining it well, um, used to be considered well it wasn't even known what it was called or they called it sugar sickness or whatever and it was considered very dangerous because they didn't understand what was happening in the system they didn't know how to you know everybody ate the same thing there was no special treatment nobody knew um but this is like one of those places where just that little bit of information can be so helpful all right so the um Liver is responsible for breaking down many hormones, including cholesterol, testosterone, and estrogen. And then, so once your hormone has gone about, done his work, goes down to the (laughs) waste plant, gets broken down to keep a healthy hormonal balance. So you don't just basically produce hormones and build them up in your body for freaking ever. That would be terrible. (laughs) The liver produces and secretes a few hormones that include a hormone called Insulin-like growth factor one, that plays an important role in childhood growth. 
And then another hormone secreted is thrombopoietin, thrombopoietin, <laughs> I don't know, which regulates the reproduction of platelets by the bone marrow. It's so incredible. How many people have like popped out in the world and for the most part, most of these bajillion of things work. It just blows my mind. And even if you say, oh, I have this one thing. Uh, Elaine had, had her unique experience. Sabrina is talking about her son with his unique experience. That is still one out of a bajillion things that are going right. Like, wow, <laughs> it's amazing. All right, kidneys are a bean-shaped organ. They reach the size of a fist. They surround the spine. Everybody knows where they are because people talk about kidney punches. <laughs> Punch them in the kidney. Um, kidneys clean and filter our body's entire blood volume each hour. So by the time we finish this Zoom call, your your all of your blood has a hundred percent of your blood has already filtered through your liver just by now. A hundred percent of your blood. And then half of it again will have filtered through it by the time we get into the Zoom call and all your blood will have gone through your kidneys. I mean, you're just sitting here doing your thing and that has happened. I'm so grateful I don't have to. Um, <laughs> if you see my kitchen sink right now, then you understand why I'm so grateful that I'm not in charge of reminding my body <laughs> to do such things because God knows I'd be dead. <laughs> I would have forgotten so many times or just put it off. And then I would have been too late and I would have died. So that'd be fun. Um, so the kidneys help maintain proper acid and alkaline pH levels. This is important for disease prevention, weight balance, and emotional health. The kidneys are solely responsible for regulating our fluid balance. They help keep enough water on hand to prevent dehydration. At the same time, they keep us from holding on too much water, which is called edema. And that can be a problem too. And it's so funny when you read about how hard your body is working and you think, gosh, if I just drank a little bit of water, that's like such a gift to my body. Your body's like, okay, literally, if we could just, okay, put a little bit of water here. Oh, I'm trying to figure out, okay, we don't have any more water and we know we probably won't see any until she goes to the gym next week. So uh, what can we do to make up for this deficit? <laughs> I know, let's like uh, reabsorb her urine and cycle it through again. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Like our poor bodies. <laughs> and if we would just drink a cup of water, <laughs> our body's like, yes, that's all I need. I have heard that if you're really dehydrated, like just perpetually dehydrated, and then you start hydrating, you actually initially hold on to too much water because your body thinks, oh, wow, we live in a desert, obviously, because she's never drinking any water. So as we get some, let's do the camel thing and not let go of it. And so I've heard that when you start hydrating for real, you can actually retain some water for a while until your body gets um, the grasp of the fact that you're going to keep hydrating it. And this is water, not wine. <laughs> Jesus, where are you? <laughs> I, <laughs> I was thinking that, that that meme about, you know, blowing on your cup of wine. So it looks like it's tea, uh, you know, put it in like a tumbler. <laughs> Everybody uses tumblers these days, I guess. And now I'm like, you, you don't even know what they're drinking. It'd be anything. Okay. The urinary tract. This includes the kidney ureters. Is that ureters or is that the correct pronunciation? The bladder and the urethra. So these work together to filter and eliminate waste from our body. 
It's a great program. It's a great system. Um, once the kidneys filter the waste out of our blood, like nitrogen waste products, excess sodium, urea, uric acid, excess water, um, it combines the waste into a liquid called urine, which then travels through the ureter, accumulates in the bladder and can be eliminated from the body through the urethra. Magical system. And I have definitely read that if you feel the urge to go to the bathroom, you actually really should immediately drop what you're doing and go. Because the longer you wait, even you're like, just put it off till we get there or whatever. Um, your body actually starts to absorb toxins back through the wall of your bladder. I did not know that. Um, if you follow Dr. Ben Lynch on Instagram, he posts some pretty interesting stuff. He's actually, um, he wrote the book, dirty jeans, which I know we all love. And then, um, I found out that he, his office is in Bellingham. I didn't even know. So he's up here by us. And then, um, a gal who enrolled under my cousin, then I found out works for him. And she's the one who brought me a copy of his book for us to read and review. Uh, Sabrina said, every time we joke about some Bible thing, I start cracking up over the fish meme where he's late for work and it's because of the sea being split. Oh yeah, the sea's like the fish who's like comes to the red sea and he's like, literally. <laughs> um, in school, we keep having moments where the sea splitting moment comes up and I'm snorting and Kaden looks like me like, I would be snorting with you, okay? Kaden, just respect, okay? <laughs> We'd both be snorting. Um, remember kidneys are also a gland. So like, LOL, so not respectable, but I can't. <laughs> um, so be the, the kidneys, little workhorses in our body, they produce and secrete three hormones, erythropoietin. I'm just making up these pronunciations as we go. I feel like, like I'm reading Harry Potter, you know, those like Latin words that the hell makes up like kind of some real and some I like mixed up ones. Um, it stimulates the bone marrow to make red blood cells. Renin, which regulates our blood pressure. Calcitri calcitriol, which is an active form of vitamin D the best form of vitamin D you can have. And that helps to maintain calcium for bones. And how does the endocrine system work? The last thing here. Um, let's read from the Nutrition 101 book. Um, once an endocrine gland secretes a hormone, the hormone travels from the gland through the bloodstream to the target cells that were designed to receive its message. As it travels to the target cells, special proteins bind to some of the hormones and act as carriers that control the amount of hormone available for the cells to use. The target cells and hormones each have receptors. So specific target cells will receive and communicate with only the correct hormones. When the hormone reaches its target cell, it locks onto the cell's receptors and these hormone receptor combinations transmit chemical instructions to the inner workings of the cell. It is just mind blowing to me how this system works. I mean, this fires, this, this is going on 24 hours a day. When hormone levels reach a specific normal amount, the endocrine system helps the body to keep that level of hormone in the blood. For example, once the thyroid gland has secreted the right amount of thyroid hormones into the blood, the pituitary gland makes sure that level remains normal. If it senses the levels too low, the pituitary gland adjusts its release of thyrotropin, 
the hormone that stimulates the thyroid gland to produce more thyroid hormones. Let's take this to our practical life for one second. I'm going to reread one sentence. When hormone levels reach a specific normal amount, the endocrine system helps the body to keep that level of hormone in the blood. There is something in our world called endocrine disruptors. And I'm actually pulling this up to see if I can show you if I can find it. Um, the National Institutes of Health has an EPA and um, EWG. Everybody has information on endocrine disruptors. What I just read, the process for your body just so magnificently sends hormones to the, produces, or secretes the right amount of hormones in a system, sends it to the right place, and then maintains a certain level that delicate balance functions inside your body and can be disrupted very easily by so many things. Things that um, endocrine disruptors in our world, they're in plastics, they're in foods, they're sprayed on foods. They are in every freaking lotion on the store shelves, every single shampoo and conditioner. And as soon as the, it, you don't have to ingest an endocrine disruptor, you, you can just be around it. You can smell it. You can put it on your skin and it gets absorbed into your body. And now that we understand more about what the endocrine system does, I was controlling my weight. It's controlling my mood. It's controlling the growth. Uh, it's controlling my calcium levels. It's controlling the sodium levels in my body. It's controlling how much water I'm retaining. You screw with that system. It is really effing hard to come back from that and everything in our world, not intentionally. I don't think, I don't think it's intentionally, but everything in our world is set up to screw with your hormone system, your endocrine system and endocrine disruptors are super popular to spray onto fruits and vegetables, things growing in the fields to inject into soil. Um, animals are exposed to them. Animals are consuming them. So then when you're eating the animals, now you're getting them. When you're eating the vegetables, you're getting them. At least the animals are processing them through kidneys and livers and, and their entire digestive tract before you get it. But if on a plant, it is just sitting on the plant and absorbed into the plant. It can be even worse. Um, plastic straws, plastic bags, styrofoam containers, plastic cups, plastic bottles. Um, uh, like I said, the perfumes, all kinds of healthcare products is just over the top. So we have to do our best to avoid endocrine disruptors. You can look for them. You can Google endocrine disruptors. You can look up um, vegetables and fruits and see what they're sprayed with to see which ones are sprayed with endocrine disruptors. Secret tip, pretty much every single one. Um, Chemical, the, the way that endocrine disruptors can get in and screw up the system is some chemicals mimic a natural hormone fooling the body into over-responding to the stimulus, such as a growth hormone that can re result in increased muscle mass, or it can respond at inappropriate times, such as producing insulin when it's not needed. Um, 
there's a ton of endocrine disruptors out there. And they also like in the state of Washington, where I live specifically, they have almost completely destroyed our salmon runs. Endocrine disruptors work on the endocrine system of animals too. And it really screws with our streams. We've lost a majority of our diversity in salmon. All our big runs are gone. It's just destroyed. And it's tragic. And we're seeing it's killing our orca whales now. They're like delivering dead babies out in the ocean because we can't stop pissing these endocrine disruptors down our drains and out into where innocent animals live who never chose to buy a toxic product they just want to keep eating kelp or whatever animals eat in the ocean and here they are dying at our hands and we're like but i drive an electric vehicle so i love nature well stop what you're doing and you gotta pay attention and it is i am not gonna lie it is overwhelming it was very overwhelming to me i know everybody on here uses young living so you pretty much already know that your personal products have been completely cleaned up, but just think about the world in general. It is really hard for somebody to clean their stuff up because you basically end up having to make everything by hand because there's nothing you can buy that doesn't have it in it. And then you're that weird person. You're that weirdo. (laughs) If only there was more weirdos, we'd probably have more salmon out here. Uh, you know, we have, um, uh, there's lots of native tribes out here that catch fish and, you're, you're literally screwing with their cultural heritage by smearing endocrine disruptors on your body because now you're killing their cultural heritage, what they're supposed to be, you know, like their right, their water rights and their land rights. You've now destroyed them. <laughs> like, hello, <laughs> let's, let's not just think about ourselves here. Oh, but you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not fun. Okay. That's cool. I know. <laughs> I agree. I have also been frustrated and choked by it. I'm not saying it's fun or easy. I'm just telling you what the facts are. I don't really care if it's fun or easy. It just is what it is. So um, the information I just read to you was from epa.gov. Lest you think it's from some like over the top, super bizarre, like hyper weird people. No, it's just the government's reports. <laughs> you can read them online. So it isn't just a couple of weirdos out in the corner. Um, it is usually weirdos who tend to take it to the full extent of application, you know? Uh, like there's people out there who don't even drive cars and they just ride their bikes and stuff like that. And everybody thinks they're a weirdo, but guess what? They're doing their the best they can. And people who drive in the car are doing the best they can too, right? Like we can only really change one thing at a time, but we have to know what exists. And now that you've heard this, you know, endocrine disruptors exist. You can't say you didn't know. And so you get to choose if you're going to do something about it. And you, there's so much information you can find online. Um, you got to be a little bit careful. Government websites are usually pretty good because they're, they tend to be the most conservative out of all estimates, you know, because there's a lot of money wrapped up in using endocrine disruptors. There's a lot of big industries that are really against endocrine disruptors being eliminated from production and, and, um, industrial processes, but you know, some of it, some, some of the stuff does make it to the government website. So go ahead and check that stuff out online. Just look up endocrine disruptors and just be aware of it. Just be aware um, the recipe she gave us for endosystem and system woo, endocrine system power is um, pizza. I'm so going to make this for the kids. <laughs> I'm making this this week. We have everything It's a honey wheat pizza crust with whole wheat flour and regular flour. 
which we usually use um, whole wheat flour and einkorn flour, or you can do einkorn flour and bread flour if you're trying to mimic the protein levels. Um, yeast, salt, olive oil, honey, warm water. You could make this sourdough or quick yeast, which is what this is. Um, then there's a pizza sauce with onion, garlic, olive oil, basil, and oregano, black pepper, diced tomatoes, tomato puree, tomato paste, and honey. This sounds so good. I don't know if you're getting hungry, but I am. And then lots of all the toppings that you know. So she gives you the instructions on how to make the pizza. So this will be our little school project. I love when a school project turns into dinner. <laughs> Such a two birds with one stone type thing. So she said for... Um, uh, many among the Italian American population, the first American pizzas were known as tomato pie. Anybody want a tomato pie? <laughs> tomato pie party doesn't sound the same as pizza party. <laughs> um, but she says an activity you could do is research the difference between, um, tomato pie and pizza. You can use dried herbs, fresh herbs, or, um, essential oils extracted from herbs for this, which, whichever you want. I like doing the essential oils because my kids, if they see the little bits in it, they think it's, um, uh, spicy. <laughs> and if they don't see the bits and they're fine with it. So, um, that is everything for the endocrine system this week. It's a really good topic to educate yourself on. Nobody else is going to educate you on it promise and guarantee you have to educate yourself on it. It's just the only way. So, um, do go ahead and educate yourself. It's empowering for yourself. It's empowering for people around you because there are people who aren't getting the chance to educate themselves on it. And you need to know what's up because, uh, you helping take care of yourself and then you can go ahead and take care of other people. What is it, Elaine? Okay. So tomato pie. Let's hear it. It's amazing. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's Fresh chopped tomatoes, basil, and onions topped with a mixture of shredded cheese and mayonnaise baked in a pie shell. Shell. It looks, I don't know, the lighting's bad. It looks amazing. I'm literally going to look that up. I'm, I'm, it sounds like a pizza and a lasagna married and had a child. It actually looks like a quiche. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I love quiche. But I don't think it has eggs in it, so... Um, yeah, I guess I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna start some pizza dough tonight. Yeah, I think and I'm actually gonna make this. You Looks can make your dough early and put it in the fridge for like three days and get a little more of the like soaking effect without actually doing sourdough. Sabrina made pizza today. You are so on theme. Did you look ahead in the book? Do you have the book? She does have the book. She has this edition too. So she has the same recipe from scratch too. Ah! Awesome. Super mom. Super woman. All right. We, we, we did it. We done it. And if you listen to the replay, thank you so much for listening. I hope it was good. And I didn't spit on the microphone too much.